Show number 31 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, as butts go, Captain Kirk's is um, as good as any. It's got style, it's got shape, it's got tangibility. I don't think you could go much further than Captain Kirk's butt in Starfleet. This is Captain Kirk urging you to look at my butt. (laughs) Yay! Yay! Now that was not William Shatner. No, but we are getting closer and closer (laughs) and closer to To the Holy Grail. To actual William Shatner. What that was, that came to us from From our wonderful friend, Maynard, down under. And how that came about is I somehow found out, because I somehow find out these things and can never remember, but there is a theater company in Adelaide, Australia, the Unseen Theater Company. (laughs) Which is a great name for a theater company. Really, and they're doing their Fringe, their Fringe Festival, and they are doing a live on stage. Now, theirs is not trannies, Mm -hmm. but they're doing The Trouble with Tribbles, and... uh, we, we begged Maynard <laughs> to go and report. Well, it's too far away for him to report. He's 16 hours away from that. But he did a remote yeah. report. And the two voices you heard were Dr. McCoy uh-huh. and Captain Kirk. And later in the show, we're going to play a little bit of the interview he mm-hmm. did with them. But I, I want to read you just a little bit about what it says here. Trekker's warning. This episode may not be exactly as you've seen it before, but the lives of the officers in red uniforms are dispensable and fistfights abound. Director Pamela Lamont insists that no Klingons were harmed during this production. And they actually do uh, two, two episodes. They do Trouble with Tribbles and they do like a new one, Vexations with Vulcans. <laughs> I'm really hoping they're going to tape this somehow. Oh, and that would be wonderful. That it's it's so loosely wonderful. based on Journey to Babel. <laughs> So, so Maynard went to a lot of trouble. He did, and thank you so much, because we live for this kind of stuff, and we know that the people who listen to this show also live for this kind of stuff. Right, and we, like I said, you're going to hear part of the interview. We're going to put up a bonus mm-hmm. track bonus for you track. to hear the whole interview, but this is what we really want, Maynard. You know, we're always ones to ask for more. Of course. We want to know how you explained <laughs> to these two actors why you needed them to say, look at my butt. What did you tell them? I'm dying to know. And what did they think? I mean, did they think that we were just these really insane women who were doing this, or did they think it was a really cool idea? I mean, the fact that they're doing a Star Trek show implies a level of awareness <laughs> to begin with, not of our show, but just of the, the cult of William Shatner anyway. So, Yes. One would think they'd be predisposed to like this sort of thing. Uh, yes, I would hope I, so. I would hope so. But I would have loved to, to hear the explanation yes. of, uh, first of all, why they were being covered. Because <laughs> <laughs> someone in America told right. this person in Australia yeah. that somewhere else in Australia there was this show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are so international. Oh, my goodness. So I'm going to um, be, for once, I'm going to be the one to say, this is show number 31. Yes. Yeah, amazingly enough, of a show called um, Look at His Butt. Yes. Yeah. I, I can't believe I remembered to do that. Finally. <laughs> and I'm Jungle Kitty. And she's Lena, <laughs> drinking her Verners. 
another mouthful of soda. We're kicking back with our Verners. We here. are. We have a whole day full of stuff, and we just had. We decided we had so much stuff that we needed to watch and talk about. So we're going to try to get through it as efficiently as possible. So first up on the list was two episodes of Boston Legal, which were um, remarkably Shatner-free. Even the second one that he was in more, Not a lot, he yeah. still wasn't in it as much as one would have wanted him to be in it. Well, as I said, they are carefully doling out their shadow. They are. They're rationing him out. Um, I, I thought that the parts... I that, think they knew we all needed to come down a little after that dancing <laughs> After the dance, scene. yeah. Oh. That's true. I, I have to say, I got... I picked up off the interwebs a little animated um, gif of them dancing the twirl thing, which I want to post up there, and I really need to contact the people who are over at the James Spader fan forum, because they are as obsessed with James Spader as we are with William Shatner, which is a wonderful thing to see. Yes. So I, I joined. I actually joined. Oh, and I just cool. I haven't had a chance to post and introduce myself, but I want to tell them that they're welcome to come and listen to our show and contribute about Spader, because we do love him very, very much. Yes, we absolutely do. So I will put up that little animated thing, because it's very cute. Uh, let's see, what were some of the things we wanted to mention about those two episodes? Well, um, the the first one that we watched, as you pointed out, had very little of Denny Crane in it, but the the main um, case was the one where this woman, Alan Shore, was interested in, was part of a political protest, and it was topless, and, you know, so they had to go to court for that. And to me, the the... The highlight scene in that was the one where they went to the DA and told him Brad was going to run against <laughs> yes, him. Yes, that was hilarious. <laughs> and we were talking about in the first season that Brad was just playing this, you know, good-looking, very much straight man, you know, Decker. not interesting. Decker. Yes, not interesting <laughs> at all. And now that they're letting him play comedy and sort of play against that type, mm-hmm. it's it's delightful to see. And so he's he's... His character is coming into its quirkiness, which is what it needs, because that's the only way you're going to get any real attention at Mm -hmm. that law firm, and certainly at that show, is, you know, for your quirkiness Quirkiness, to be right out there. It was very good. He, um, the pivotal scene is when uh, Alan takes him in, and without telling him anything, presents the story that Brad is going to be running for district attorney and Brad knows nothing about this. He just has to play along and he has to take his jacket off and kind of sling it over one shoulder. And, and Alan has his big poster <laughs> of Brad. Brad. It's great. <laughs> with with um, the stars and stripes in the background. Yep. Doesn't he call him Captain Handsome? At yes, point? he says Captain Handsome. <laughs> Captain Handsome. That's his superhero name. It's true. And and the, the really funny thing, of course, is the follow-on at the very end of the episode when we have some shots of everybody just kind of relaxing at the end of the day. There's Brad in his little dark office with the the poster behind him. And at one point he kind of spins around and he looks at it a little bit. And then you can just see him smiling to himself, imagining what it would be like to be the district attorney. Well, the other thing about that ending was um, it ends with a singer singing for once in my life, you know, is playing over that and a few other scenes. And when I was watching it, when it was first broadcast and that came on, I went, is that Brian Evans? <laughs> the the guy whose album Bill is on? With that wonderful rendition of Lady is a Tramp that y'all heard a couple episodes <laughs> ago. Wasn't that great? But I did a little research. I'm really kind of proud of myself because I'm usually not this tenacious with the research. <laughs> but I went looking for a Brian Evans recording of For Once in My Life and I couldn't find it. And so I went to iTunes and... I I searched and got the list of all their recordings of For Once in My Life, and uh-huh. I picked the likely candidates, you know, no women. 
And I, I listened to enough of each one that I think I figured out it's Michael Bublé. Uh-huh. And I know some people on the Shatner website thought it was Sinatra. And I'm oh come on, I'm, I'm please. so I'm I, I feel <sighs> I have the expertise to say no, it wasn't Sinatra. No. It's a Sinatra imitator, which is what Michael Bublé is. But the reason I know is because it's this sort of celebrity obsession is in my genes. You know, my Shatner thing, it's played out in my mother with Sinatra. Uh And so we, the people in my family, we know all of the Sinatra recordings. We can pick them out in a minute, and that's not Sinatra. No, definitely. But it's similar. So I'm pretty sure that's Michael Bublé. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to know that. Yes. They're kind of doing this now with uh, classic songs, because in the second episode, in the closing, it was a Louis Armstrong song. Yes, and the thing is, if you go to the Boston Legal website, they're usually a couple weeks behind. They do list what all the songs oh. are that are used, so you can always find out. Mm-hmm. But when I did my little search, they didn't have that, so I had to actually do my own homework. God, And you did it wonderfully. Thank we you. We are all so proud. Thank you. What was the second episode? The second episode was the one with Bev's cat. Oh, Bev's cat. That's right. Um, Bev's cat, whose name is Barry Manilow, was on life support, was very close to dead, And so Denny made Brad take the case because Bev has joint custody with one of her Mm ex-husbands. And the ex-husband, who is paying for the veterinary care, wanted to pull the plug, and Mm -hmm. Bev didn't want to. So, you know, it was a silly case, but they used it to good advantage, I think, to deepen Bev's character Mm -hmm. a little. And I was glad to see that because I've been wondering about her. And what her motives are. Mm-hmm. And it's it's still kind of in a gray area for me. Is she marrying Denny just for the money? Or does she truly have affection for him? Or, and this is what I think is more likely, is it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. Because I remember in the scene where Brad tried to bribe her, mm-hmm. or maybe it was one with Shirley, one of them. Anyway, she said something about, you think I'm, I'm marrying him just for his money and power. And I am. But she went on to say something that made it sound like that's what attracts her mm-hmm. to him and to men like him. That it's not, you could infer from it that it's not quite as calculated. Mm-hmm. It's like a person who's always attracted to musicians. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. I also think they hinted at something here that she really does not want to be alone. Yes, and, and that was very effective. Right, so they talked about the third husband that she married who who had this cat and what a not nice guy he was, but she married him anyway, and then you see her fourth husband who was... Creep. A, kind of a creep, but she married him too, and it, it, I think it's pretty clear that that's a big motivation for her is just mm-hmm. not to be alone, and she's older, and she's used to a nice lifestyle, and, and Denny represents all those things for her, and I mean, she genuinely seems to have fun when she's with him. Yes, and it actually... Um, it was really quite touching when Brad was making his speech about how important the cat was to her Mm -hmm. and saying, you know, it never judged her. It never told her her dresses were too tight. It never came home smelling like another woman. It never asked how she spent her money. And then he he summed up with, in short, the cat treated her better than most of her husbands. And I thought, you know, that's, that's that's true. true. It's true for a lot of women. Yes. So that was very good. Um, trying to think if there was anything else, especially in that episode that was good. They, they keep hinting around at, um, Alan and Denny, drifting a little bit apart because mm-hmm. of the marriage. And Alan reveals that he's been married. Yeah. Which that was a surprise I don't think we ever knew before. Yeah. I he just kind of said it. I was married once. And so that was interesting. Um, 
there was a really funny moment at the end of the first episode where they're out in their <laughs> typical balcony scene, and Denny comes out with two glasses, and they both take a sip of the scotch, and they both make this face and go, ah, and it turns out that it's diet scotch. <laughs> there can't be such a thing. <laughs> diet scotch. That Bev is making him drink so that he could be in, in better shape for the wedding. And the best part is that they're both going, this tastes horrible. Oh, it's really bad. And then they take another swig. They they keep drinking it. They keep drinking it. Every time they make a horrible face, it's like, it's almost like you can't believe it tasted that bad. So you're going to take another drink and go, oh yeah, it just tastes that bad. Yeah, that was really funny. That was, that was good. And then what was the scene at the end of, oh, oh, so at the end of the second episode, um, because Bev's cat was on a ventilator, Denny says to Alan um, that he, he wants Alan to kill him if he ever is on life support like that. And Alan says, sure, I'd pull the plug. And he says, no, 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 I want you to shoot me. <laughs> and Alan says, no, I won't do that. And Denny makes a long speech about how, you know, he, he wants somebody that he cares for, who cares for him, to, to shoot him. <laughs> Because it wouldn't be right if it was just some stranger or somebody who hated him. And that's the way Denny Crane should go out, like, getting shot. That's right. And uh, and he ends up calling Alan a Democrat, which is about the worst thing that he can think of, and says, you know, you want it so that nobody ever shoots anybody else. And if that happened, where would we be? And that's how it ended. <laughs> and that's how it ended. It was great. And it was very strange. We have to bring this up. This episode was shown on TV during the week when all of America was in this total uproar over our Vice President Dick Cheney shooting his hunting buddy mm-hmm. accidentally. And this is my favorite accidental shooting since Claudine Langer. <laughs> but when I was watching it, my eyes were like bugging out. It was like commentary on this current event, and I really want to know, did they rush back to the studio and say, we're filming a new ending so we can get all these gunshot jokes in? It is entirely possible. I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them either. So that was that was brilliant. Um the coming attractions for the next show deal more with this issue of end of life and what mm-hmm. happens and Alzheimer's and uh, it, it looks like it's going to be interesting and it looks like he'll be featured pretty heavily in that show. And I want to tell you something. I am so angry at myself. I accidentally read a spoiler. Oh, well, don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. But I am really mad at myself that I'm not going to be surprised by something that's coming up like in, in two episodes or something. Okay. I just, oh. Where did you read it? So I, I was I, don't know. I was doing one of these online TV guide things, you yeah. know, to find the different things William Shatner's in, and I'm scrolling through the Boston Legals, and for some reason my eyes stopped, the scroll stopped, and I read a sentence, and I was like, oh. I wish I hadn't done that. So, people, just so you know, we we really do not like to know in advance. So mm-hmm. if you find out these things because you like to know or you accidentally know, please don't don't, don't write tell to us. us. Don't, don't tell we us. We don't want spoilers. We don't want spoilers. Um. While we're still talking about Boston Legal, though, yes. I want to talk about this article that was in the New York Times, Tuesday, February 14th, mm-hmm. Valentine's no, Day. Okay. Um, it's in the uh, arts section, front page of the arts section. Really nice picture. That's a nice picture, yes. I was thinking about that. Of uh, Spader and Shatner in one of the jail scenes in one of the occasions mm-hmm. when Denny's been arrested. But um, I want to read some of this because they have interesting things to say and they make, I think, an interesting criticism of the mm-hmm. show says, beneath the quirks, there's always a message for the masses. Boston Legal is a mess, which may be its chief appeal. David E. Kelly's last standing series on ABC on Tuesday nights, 10 p.m., <laughs> is a comedy steeped in sanctimony. It's a drama with a swath of slapstick satire and self-mockery. It's an hour-long sitcom, except when it turns into liberal talk radio. 
In almost every episode, the hero, Alan Shore, James Spader, shakes off his sardonic Mm -hmm. detachment and delivers a long, uninterrupted rant about the Iraq War, Mm -hmm. the credit card industry, or the Roman Catholic Church. Then he has a brandy and a cigar with the semi-senile senior partner, Denny Crane, William Shatner, and the two lawyers tune in to a male bond that has become the show's sweet center and biggest joke. Shore recently broke through the fourth wall when he walked into his pal's office. There you are, he said affably. I've hardly seen you this episode. Most network television shows, good or bad, are above all consistent. Boston Legal is deviant. It keeps changing for one thing. Some fixes made to appeal to older female viewers. You've got Shatner. (laughs) Says it all. Have proven worthwhile. Candace Bergen as Shirley Schmidt, a sharp-tongued senior partner, and Betty White as Catherine, a felonious secretary, have added some class and cut down the show's testosterone. Others, however, are less inviting, more a sign of lax writing than expediency. Now, this is where it really gets into details, and I think this is... I'm I'm just going to go ahead and read Mm -hmm. Mr. Spader began the role as a last-ditch addition to The Practice in 2003. ABC had cut the budget on the faltering drama, and Mr. Kelly responded by firing half the cast and hiring Mr. Spader, a film actor best known for playing icily intelligent villains. At first, Shore was wonderfully twisted and villainous, a greedy, corrupt, and sneaky corporate lawyer who coaxed his old friend Eleanor to hire him after he was fired by his own firm for... Reminder, this is all copyright the New York Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is free publicity for them. Um, He was fired for embezzlement. Early in the first season of Boston Legal, Alan Shore had a soft spot for lost causes, but he kept any semblance of human decency well hidden from his colleagues and clients. Shore remains icy and cutting, but he has shed much of his wickedness to champion causes. And then it goes on to, to cite some details. So it says, Shore has morphed from someone who is despicable, even in his finer moments, to a conventional prime-time hero. The camera keeps cutting to characters, staring in awe at his eloquence and moral fervor. And that makes the show too much like the practice in L.A. Law, where Mr. Kelly made his television writing debut. I'm just going to skim and see if there's any other part. Oh, well, yeah, we should read this. Much of Shore's bad boy behavior was leached off by Mr. Shatner, (laughs) who revels in his post-Star Trek second act. In one episode, after Shore explains to Denny that sea lice are sometimes known as Klingons, he does a double take and says, Klingons? Denny Crane is a lecherous, monomaniacal showboater who has lost much of his mind, apparently to mad cow disease. He is Shore's soulmate and conservative sparring partner, channeling Vice President Dick Cheney to defend, not very persuasively, the war in Iraq or polluters. Environmentalists, he declares on a salmon fishing trip, are evildoers. Um, the conservative movement is ascendant, but one of the few places where liberal ideology still has a strong voice is on television dramas and sitcoms. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, but Boston Legal could do with less heat and more wit. In Shore, Mr. Kelly has created a character who rivals Tony Soprano or Al Swearingen of Deadwood. It seems a shame to sacrifice him on the altar of politics. Dishing conservatives, after all, is a revenge best served cold. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I want to point out that the New York Times is apparently the only newspaper classy enough to write a whole article like this and never use the phrase, to boldly go. Oh, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing? I thought that that was, yeah, that was startling even. But I thought their their criticism on the softening of Alan Shore's character is very, very valid. Mm-hmm. And it really came to the forefront in the recent episode where he was defending a little girl mm-hmm. who was not able to get into a private school 
And it's just, I don't know, Alan Shore being good with kids does not ring true to me. No, it seems he would be as far removed from interacting with children as you could possibly imagine. And there was the liberal rant in that show. And this this is the other thing, is um, their political rant, when it's done in the courtroom, it's okay with me. Because I figure a lawyer would do all the research and would Mm -hmm. have all those facts. But when in the middle of casual conversation, Alan Shore can (laughs) quote how many poor people there are in this country. Yeah. I am moved to incredulity. Yeah. It's it's pretty bad when they do that. However, I have to say, despite his liberal rant about private schools, which he was... He was ranting to Denny Crane. Mm-hmm. Denny came back with the truth. Yes. Which is that that's why private schools are private schools. They can discriminate against anybody at any time, and that's why they're private. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like in that case, the speech that Denny gave, or his response, because it wasn't a speech, really undercut what Alan had said mm-hmm. by just saying, look, dude, this is the way it is in real life, and if yes. you want to beat them, the only way to do it is to flex the other muscles, whether it's power or money or whatever. Right. So so that, I thought, at least it was a good counterbalance, and it wasn't that he was saying this to the Hobbit, and the Hobbit was sitting there looking at him like, oh my God, Alan, you're so smart and sensitive. (laughs) That would have been bad. Um, I also think the Times is right, though, that um, the show is at its strongest when it's focusing on the characters, not Mm -hmm. on these political um, message things. And, you know, there are times when I'm sitting there going right on with the, you know, political stuff, but really they have created such vibrant, interesting, full-blooded characters. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly starting out with Alan and Denny, but Shirley has grown. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see some growth in Paul. Mm -hmm. We talked about Brad. Let these people run. Definitely. Let, Let them go. And don't yeah, we haven't seen Alan doing any of this smarmy behavior. And I'm, I'm reminded of a recent episode, the one about um, the guy who's trying to make partner. Mm-hmm. And Shirley said something to Alan about, well, you're not a partner. And he said, well, that's only because I can't be trusted. And to me, that's telling, not showing. And mm-hmm. that's what we're yeah. getting now is they tell us how nefarious yeah, Alan is. that's true. But we're not seeing it. No, we haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. But you know why Alan's changed? They didn't really say it in that article. Because he fell in love with Denny. Yeah. I mean, I really think that that's been the changing thing in his character. That's true. And and that's why he's um, pulled away from his original character and is now more in opposition to Denny. Because it's forced him to... Because he met somebody who was more like him than him. In a way. Yeah. Who was more extreme and more out there and more offensive in other ways. It He couldn't be the person that he was anymore and he had to kind of morph into something else and whether that's right or wrong i don't know but i I think they they had to do that and for alan's character it makes sense to me that's really interesting i hadn't thought of that and i think you may be right because um remember when he he said the thing to danny several episodes back maybe at the beginning of this season about i never really knew what a friend was Mm -hmm. until i met you and certainly that sort of life-changing um realization i think would cause a person to change and Perhaps it is his sympathy for Denny, who is in a difficult situation. This is a guy who was a legendary lawyer mm-hmm. who's losing it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe has made him a little more opening to the tro- open to the troubles of others. So that's that's a very valid point. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, I hadn't good. thought about it. Um, but I'd still like to see him be creepy. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and, you know, you got to wonder how much of that is from real life, too, just from Spader now getting to be Shatner's friend. You know, there has to be something of that coming through also. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I mean, the way he, the way Spader talks about Shatner when he's on talk shows and everything and things that Shatner says, it's clear that they really have a bond off screen. Yes. 
So that, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm very curious to see how it's all going to play out in the show. Yeah. Okie dokie then. Um, so we're going to take a little break and do our usual stuff. And then we're going to play some of that short interview mm-hmm. with the cast of Trouble with Tribble, the Australian cast. Yes. And then we're going to be back with our um, advice to the lovelorn section is what I'm calling it right now. Okay. And it's going to be a lot of sex toy talk. So Hooray! get ready for that. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Okay, gang, you know the drill. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. We want to hear from you, and you know we're going to read your email on the show. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has collected together some of the best science fiction, fantasy, and gaming podcasts out there. The Sci-Fi Podcast Network has a lot of great programming that you might be missing. The goal of this podcast is to showcase some of the great shows available on the network so that you don't miss out on all the fun. Each episode will contain an interview with a TSFPN podcaster and clips from their show. I'll also play some of the fun, funny, and cool clips from some of the other TSFPN shows from this week. To start listening to TSFPN Sci-Fi Access, just visit tsfpn.com. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I can't get enough television. And when there's no television, I want my television on the stage. And that problem is going to be solved exactly at the Adelaide Festival this year as the Unseen Theatre Company bring you not one, but two episodes of perhaps the greatest television show ever written or performed anywhere in this universe, Star Trek. The original series, mind you. None of this nonsense, next-generation stuff. The original series. And I've got two people from that show right now. I have Philip Lyington, who is going to be playing Dr. Bones McCoy, and uh, Captain Kirk, of course, originally played by William Shatner. Mr. Kirk, hello. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here, Maynard. Wow. You've got a, you've got a big role ahead of you uh, filling the shoes of William Shatner. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been said by quite a few people over the years that it takes a truly great actor to uh, perform on the level of a truly bad one. So while it is a challenge, it's something I'm looking forward to. How did you get the rights off Paramount? How did you... Because, I mean, look, at home, if I even say something like, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it, the phone rings and Paramount <laughs> wants, wants ten bucks off me. How did you manage to get, convince them to do this? Oh, luckily, if you don't expect money, they uh, pretty much let you get away with anything. As long as we, the actors don't actually get paid, everything's okay. The Unseen Theatre Company's done a, a range of unusual uh, shows before on stage, but this is going to be a bit of a challenge. You've got a few technical challenges with uh, Trouble with Tribbles and uh, Vexations with Vulcans, which was originally on mm. television as Journey to Babel. How are you going to beam in and beam out? 
Uh, well, we've actually cut away from uh, uh, most of the beaming. We've had Scotty build a uh, teleporter rig just off a of stage left. Mm-hmm. So uh, as soon as we walk out of our one single solitary red sliding door, that can be the uh, access to the transporter or uh, another office. Or <laughs> Is the sliding door you've got, does it make the, uh, the proper shushing noise? Not yet, but we have the assurance of our technical director that it will. Mm. We have we have a mimic <laughs> in the company who mm. is working on sh- sh- oh. sh- sh- at this very moment. It's part of the, the Fringe Festival, mm. and uh, is anyone else doing... Is, is there anybody doing Law and Order on stage? Will the weakest link be performed <laughs> on stage? What's going on down there? Not as far as I know, no. Is Adelaide going nuts and insane over the fact that there'll be two episodes of Star Trek on stage, or are they just taking it with a bit of a yawn? It's going magnificently, actually. We've uh, got people coming from not only all, all over the country, but uh, expressions of interest from uh, international areas as well. We've got people crawling out of the woodwork to uh, come and see Star Trek on stage. What's the most difficult part of the play for both of you. You both have difficult sections. I'd say it's the door. We're <laughs> <laughs> well, having a lot of trouble with the door. If they don't open that door, you're in a lot of... Because you've got you to walk towards the door as if it's going to open. That's right. That's, that's right. right. And if it doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. it's Broken Nose City. Mm-hmm. When does it open? March the 8th and mm-hmm. runs until March the 18th. How far along is the? Uh, do you feel it's got there? Um, have you honed the, the Shatner performance or you're still feeling just a bit TJ Hooker with your performance at the moment? Somehow. I'll manage to cling on to the role. And how do you work out what is the, the correct pause with the Shatner delivery there? Because there's a pause, but there's not too much. How do you work that out? It's almost completely random. I've been watching show after show after show. There is no pattern. He just throws in a pause anytime he feels like it. So that's essentially what I'm doing. Good luck with it. You're at the Bakehouse Theatre in Angus Street, Adelaide. It starts on March 8th. Yes. And before we go, could you each deliver us your favourite line from the Star Trek live stage show? I've been attacked by an Andorian in security section 5. Security team! Security team! He's dead, Jeff. gang this news just came in to look at his butt world headquarters i hope everybody's sitting down we are going to shatner weekend yay we're going to camp we're going we're to camp, going to camp. There, there is going to be a weekend bill is going to participate there's going to be photos autographs the horse show a goodie bag <laughs> um food did I say autographs? <laughs> I think I think you said autographs. Now, the interesting thing is that it says for 50 bucks, he'll autograph whatever that you bring to the weekend. Right, right. So do you think, oh, you know what? You should bring the lightsaber. But they won't let me get on a plane with it. <laughs> we could have it FedExed. <laughs> 
Oh, well, we'll have to think about this. Okay, but, well, I'm yeah, just saying, I'm just saying, because... Well, when, you know, that's almost more of a Star Wars thing. Oh, uh, I suppose. But wouldn't it just be the coolest thing ever to have his signature on that? We could say, Bill, we thought about you <laughs> with this. With this. We're, we're definitely going to have to do some thinking and planning about, you know, what we are bringing. Yeah, in. yeah. Oh, so exciting. It's just very so exciting. exciting. And, know. you know, um, anybody who wants to go, it is not too late to get signed up. We haven't even sent in our money yet, but, you know, join the Shatner Fan Club and um, get you, because you got to be a member of the fan club mm-hmm. to go to this. It's at the end of April. We are so jazzed. It, we are, and they're doing a really good job of providing for us, so you don't even have to rent a car while you're there. They're going to have transportation to and from the events. It's all pretty much happening right around this hotel, so mm-hmm. it's, they're making it very easy for people who want to attend. Right. And we would love to see some of you there. We would. All of you. We, all of you. Every all single you. one of you all shouting, look at his butt. Look at his butt. I'm, we are really going to have to see if we can get the fan club to, to shout that. Oh, I think they will. I think they will because I know there are at least a couple uh, people, first of all, in the fan club who listen to our show, but also who, others who are butt fans. So I'm sure we can at least get, you know, five or six oh, together. Oh, yeah, totally. And we'll be, have our T-shirts so they can, you know, in case they forget the words, they can just read the shirt. Yeah, they can read our chest. Yeah, yeah, that'll make it easy. That's like phrenology, but <laughs> bigger, <laughs> lower down bumps. Okay, so that's okay. that's wonderful. We're so excited about that. So here comes the sex toy talk portion of the show, and oh yeah, I know right everyone is looking for this. Camp. Now we're talking about sex toys. Sex toys, and you know, we, we, this isn't meant to be like the advice portion of the show, but it's going to turn into that. So anyway, um, the reason that we're we're doing this is because we got a comment on our blog, as we do many, we get many comments, and we love them all. And this was from our erstwhile correspondent, Deep Shave, who says, Since you called me out, I have to ask, how the hell do I try out the nitro on myself? I'm a sex toy virgin. Help. A, a plea for help like that, we just can't let it go unanswered. So, Well, you know, the, my sympathies and, and my my hats off to uh, to Deep Shave because... The first step, of course, is admitting you have a problem. Definitely. And, and that's the first step out of ignorance into uh, bliss. Into bliss, into helping yourself. So, you know, we want to say thank you for sharing that with us. We know that it's not something you can just say to anybody that you want to share it with people you can trust. And, of course, you can trust us. It's not as if you posted it on a blog, a public blog, where people could read it or that it was being talked about, say, oh, I don't know, on an Internet radio show or something where thousands of people potentially could find out that you were a sex toy virgin because that would be really embarrassing. Yeah, and this is just between the three of us. It's just between the three of us. So, you know, bravo to you for saying that. Um, On the advice side of things... First of all, if you're going to try to use the nitro as a sex toy, I would definitely recommend detaching the blade from it first. I, I think that would be the first step. Safety first. Safety first, for sure. Safe sex, even when it's just you. <laughs> even when it's just you. Now, this leads to a bigger question about how do men use vibrators. And many people think about vibrators just as something that women use, but lots of men like to use vibrators in different ways. And I think the nitro is actually an interesting toy to start with because it's not a giant powerful vibrator like some of the sex toys that are sold for women like the Hitachi Magic Wand which is kind of like a jackhammer a, batter, uh, a jackhammer that you plug into the wall it has really intense vibrations which might be a little too much but the nitro, the vibrants have these 
somewhat more muted and gentle vibrations, which might be good for someone who's, for example, a sex toy virgin. This is like, you know, my first sex toy. (laughs) This is like what they should give out to young boys when they're maybe 11 years old in that very strange gym health hygiene Uh class they have. I, they should if she, they should give them this, you know, take the blade off and give it to each of them and, and say, this will get you started. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I like that. Now, in browsing around the web for information, I found several sites that had a lot of good information. And I will put up a link to the longest one, which is at a place called sexinfo101.com. And there are six pages about vibrators, and most of it is about men using vibrators and sex toys. And it's really good. So... The first thing about the nitro, though, is that it's not the kind of thing that you would want to put up your butt because it doesn't have the flared base that most vibrating toys have if they're supposed to be up-the-butt toys because you don't want it getting lost up there. That would not be a fun thing. And um, Deep Shave and all you other listeners out there who are thinking about, you know, what interesting things you could put up your butt, and it does say right here in the Blowfish catalog, one can never have too many vibrating things to put up their butt. And this is true. But I have to tell you, many, many years ago, I was a clerk in a major hospital. Oh, I knew you were going to tell the story. <laughs> and the, the stories, the, the, the legends that just live on and on of what people came in with what they had up their butt mm-hmm. that the surgeons had to remove. Yeah, so. Don't, don't, don't put a light bulb. No, and, you know. Don't it, put a red rubber ball. <laughs> If you were going to go to the emergency room with a nitro up your butt while it was still vibrating, I think that would probably be pretty embarrassing. And you know what? If you do, don't you dare mention our names. <laughs> do not say they told me to do this because we're telling we you now. Didn't. We didn't. We're telling you not to do it, okay? Don't do that. That said, here are some other things you could do with the nitro that would probably feel good. Um, to start off slow, you could just turn it on and kind of massage it up and down the erect cock. That would probably feel good. Um, The head of the cock, very sensitive, so running it around there a little bit, that would probably feel pretty nice. Um, Probably running it over the balls, I think that would be good. And there's that nice little area right behind the balls, the perineum, which would probably feel really good if you press that up against there. I think that would be a nice sensation. Again, it's very gentle, so it's not like you're going to scare yourself with the way this thing's going to feel. It's not like you're hooking electrodes up to your genitals. No, not at all like that. But, you know, why go charging straight for the cock and balls, right? You could use this to kind of seduce yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, have, have a romantic evening with yourself and use it, I don't know, on places where you like to be touched and kissed. Um, Maybe your earlobes, your, your nipples, you know, once you start using it and feel how nice the vibration is, I think your body is going to tell you, these are the places I want mm-hmm. you to use that. Absolutely, yeah. Back of the knees, maybe. That might be kind yeah. of nice. So the other part about getting to know your sex toy, Sex Toys 101, I keep thinking it's like um, on The Simpsons when they have those little pamphlets that the doctor gives out. And it's like, <laughs> so you've decided to buy a sex toy. <laughs> right. Um, it might be helpful to have a partner to explore it a little bit more because there are things with a sex toy that might not feel so great when you are doing them to yourself, but if your partner was doing it to you, that might feel a whole lot better because in a way it's like trying to tickle yourself, which you can't really do. You need somebody else to help you out with it. So 
imagine having a partner with your little vibrating toy and trying out all sorts of different things. Now, of course, if you want that situation to happen, you have to be open to trying the sex toy and not just sort of refusing it outright because you don't think it will feel good or maybe you tried it once and it wasn't that great or you had a partner who didn't know what the hell they were doing. You know, it's not going to happen unless you're open to the possibilities. That's the key. That's right. So you, your partner, or not your partner, and the sex toy, you know, take your time, get to know it, have that nice romantic evening with yourself. And and I think if you're a sex toy virgin, that will just do a lot to break the ice between you and your sex toy. And once you've done that, you're going to want to get interested in what else is out there for you. And all the, the major sex toy sites now, Good Vibrations, Blowfish, all of them have sections for men. Plus, there are plenty of sex toys that are not gender-specific that anybody can use. So, you know, you start out small, sex toy virgin, and then you're sex toy experienced, and, and then you want to get to be ultra-experienced. It just works that way. It's true. Um, there was a, I just got in the mail the other day this um, toy, this advertisement for a toy from a, um, a place called libido.com. They send these uh, updates every so often. Now I need to find it so I can read it because I thought that um, the description of this toy was really, really interesting. It's called um, the Men's Pleasure Wand, <laughs> which gives Ooh. you an idea of what it's for to start off with. And it, it's a pretty serious-looking thing. It actually looks like it's got a handle and it's got a little remote control for the vibration. Here's what it says. The men's pleasure wand hits the male G-spot, the prostate, while massaging the scrotum and balls. The prostate gets stimulated with this multi-speed waterproof vibrator designed especially for men. Great for use with oral sex. Easy to clean. Made from non-porous material. Easy insert and removal handle. Guarantees a great experience every time. And then it actually gives you the dimensions and it says the scrotum massager area is two and a half inches and the vibrating anal prostate stimulator area is four and a half inches long. Well, so so that's something you can work your way up to. Yeah, yeah. Now, wasn't there some other stuff in the Blowfish catalog that we thought was kind of interesting? Um, yeah, the Blowfish catalog came uh, here right before Valentine's Day. And on the cover, they have um, a naked woman who's wearing black high heels. She's got a a little bit of a tattoo on her ankle, but it's covered. You can't see it. And she's holding a red heart-shaped pillow right in front of her cooter. And it's, you know, it's cute. But then when you open up the catalog, you find out this is a heart high-divide pillow. And it's got a zipper. So you could, you know, have this pretty red pillow laying out on your bed, but it's got all your sex toys in it. (laughs) Instead of, you know, keeping them in the nightstand, because that's pretty obvious. That's where your mother's going to go sleeping first. Or or under the bed, right? Right, where they get dusty. That's pretty ugly. Dust bunnies and a rabbit pearl. No, 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 no. (laughs) I think it would be neat to put a toy in the heart and turn it on, and then you could sort of, like, press it to yourself. That would be Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That would be great. Then it would be a a hugging heart. Yeah, a a hugging heart toy. I think that would be fantastic. (laughs) Hey, here's what it says. Listen to this. Um, when they were testing it, everyone in the office kept coming by and hugging our sample pillow. <laughs> it really is just the most huggable heart we've seen. What a great office to work in. That would be wonderful. I would like to work there. I, I think so, especially if you got free sex toys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about 
um, here in the Blowfish catalog is, um, you know, they come up with a lot of gels and lubricants. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one scares me. <laughs> it's called Oh My. And Oh My has an apostrophe after the O, so it's like Irish. Oh My <laughs> Clitoral Stimulating Gel. Okay, well, hmm. It says, just when you thought your clit had felt it all. Oh My comes out with an organic stimulating gel that creates a tingling sensation that's reminiscent of the cool feeling in your mouth after sucking on an Altoid Mint. <laughs> okay, I had a really bad experience with an Altoid Mint once, so this thing scares the shit out of me. Because the one and only time I ever had an Altoid, somebody gave me an Altoid, and it's intense, but I had a cold. Oh. And so while I had this Altoid in my mouth, I took a hit of nasal spray. <laughs> And it felt like the top of my head was going to fucking come off. Oh, I mean, I was bad. seeing stars and not in a good way. Oh, that sounds really bad. Yeah, and I have, you know, sensitive skin. So even some things that are supposed to, like, feel nice on your skin, you know, irritate mine. So oh. I'm, I would really be scared of this. Oh, I, well, I can see that. I, I have tried the KY Warming Gel, uh, which is pretty nice, although it's a little too tacky for my taste. It kind of get sticky. But um, it's true. You need to be very, very careful with what you put on yourself below the waist. And I had a friend who had a very bad experience with Bengay once. So kids, don't try that at home. Yeah, I've heard bad things about it. Now, they do say that they had a male tester who said the tingly sensation was very nice on the head of his penis. Oh, so, okay. You know, if you're a, a braver soul than I, you might want to want to go there with that. Yeah, that would be good. Um, speaking of sex toys, since we are talking all about sex toys now, um, we got a nice comment. Uh, was Did we get a comment or was it email with the USB sex toys link? Oh, I can't remember, but somebody sent us to this this uh, website, which is the weirdest USB gadgets. Yes. And the number one of the top <laughs> ten is the USB vibrator. Yay! And it's got all these attachments this is an, an amazing looking thing it says this isn't just a usb vibrator this one includes five interchangeable latex probes wow they they put in the wow <laughs> oh i thought there was an editorial coming no from no you. <laughs> not editorializing has 10 unique preset pulsed vibrate rhythms yeehaw uh -huh. and features a self-adjustable finger ring vibrating bullet amazing oh that's cool i want one and Guess where you can get it? Uh, Blowfish? My friend. No? Condomcountry.com. <laughs> Does it come It'll play, Let your computer pleasure your cooter. Hey, I should I should TM that or whatever I should do. That's really? a great logo. Oh, that would be great. Since it comes from Condom Country, like, does it come wrapped in a little piece of gingham or like a checked shirt or something? <laughs> Maybe it comes in a hard turtle shell, you know, kind of a... A play on the cooter thing. The cooter thing. thing? That's pretty funny. Yeah. A very attractive tortoise shell case. Um, well, I, I want one, and I think I'm going to have to get one and, and test it out as a public service so that you could all know that this thing actually works. How well, much does... hang on. I'm going to click over and find out how much it is. Okay. Let's see. Uh, uh, oh, $36.95. Hey, that's cheap. Yeah, that's not bad. That's and, you know, actually, now that I'm seeing the picture here of it in its package and everything, I've seen that in stores. Oh. Not the supermarket, but the good vibration <laughs> store. 
Well, I have seen several different USB-powered vibrators, but that's the first one I've seen that has all those attachments. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, if a vibrator doesn't come with at least three or four or five attachments, you know, it should. It really should to get your money's worth. Okay, I'm clicking on something here called the Orgasmathon Scratchy. <laughs> And it doesn't tell us what it does. I mean, it's a, a scratch thing, but it doesn't tell you what happens when you scratch off one of the scratchies. It's only $3. Do you win the lottery? I mean... <laughs> I don't know, but since it's only $3, when you order the the, um, the USB cooter pleasure or whatever it's called, <laughs> um, order this too. I'll give you the 3 bucks just to see what it is. Okay. I will. I'll, I'll go online and order that later tonight for sure. Um, also, also, they they misspelled orgasmathon. <laughs> and, and it's that's orgasmothon. 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 <laughs> Do you want to write them and correct that? <laughs> you can also get a T-shirt that says, "I'm not wearing any undies." <laughs> this is all from Condom Country. Yeah, boy, there is. And here, people who bought this also bought the injective vibrating vagina pump with suction. Now, with suction. Yeah. As opposed to the old crappy one that didn't have any suction. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm Oh, oh, this is great. Feel your lips parting as you slide the injective vagina probe deeper into your <laughs> pussy with pussy lip suction cap and sleeve. Oh, did you know that? And there's a picture of a girl using it, and you know what it looks like? What? <laughs> you know how when you're on the airplane and they're giving the speech about, you know, what to do for water evacuation, uh-huh. and if the cabin depressurizes and those um, oxygen things fall from the ceiling and you put them up to your face uh-huh. this thing looks just like that she's got it on her crotch <laughs> she's giving oxygen to her, her pussy <laughs> because her panties lost pressurization <laughs> that's great um, I'm now I'm looking at the condom country site did you know that they sell condom vending machines here you can put one in your bathroom <laughs> Well, you know, at, 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 at I've heard, I don't know from experience, but, at, you know, sleazy rest stops, they sell condoms in vending machines. Oh, yeah, like at truck stops and stuff. Yeah. At gas stations. That's pretty funny. I love it. That's great. Well, I, it's, I'll be ordering. This oxygen mask for your, your cooter <laughs> it has some, it also has what I think is a misspelling. Uh-huh. It says non-toxic and then no fluorophyllous <laughs> content. P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. I have no idea what that means. Well, they don't have any. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it doesn't matter how it's spelled. It's all moot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, From going going from one really ridiculous thing to another really ridiculous thing, um, we we got a link to this very odd site, and um, I will when I put the link up, I will say to everybody, this is not a work safe link to go to, but it's um, yeah, but the pussy vagina link suction is just that's, fine. <laughs> that's true. Um, this is from a company called Zeta Creations, and they make what they call unusual dildos. And I'm pretty sure these are the same people who are, are trying to make the Vulcan dildos that we talked about a couple of shows ago, although they don't have any on the site. Um, 
what they do have are for sale dildos that are in the shape of animal penises and other things and other butt plugs that are really, really big, like massively big, like longer than your arm (laughs) and probably, oh, I don't know, six or seven inches around. And I'm not quite sure what they're for. I mean, they're kind of interesting looking, but I can't quite imagine anybody actually using them for sex play. Yeah. Well, I was exploring the site a little, and I got scared because it said they had the tentacle toy. (laughs) And I see those, you know, bad illustrations of Spock with tentacles. So now I'm looking at it, and they've either got the wrong picture. Because it doesn't have any tentacles. It doesn't have any tentacles, but their description says it has four simulated suction cups and is in an oval shape. Oh, well, maybe they put the wrong picture up. They sure did because I I I I don't know. Um, in the side view, the way its uh-huh. its head is sort of tilted and its profile looks a little bit like a garden gnome. <laughs> Um, garden gnome. So that's a scary website. That's very scary. Now, here's what I was wondering. Um, for most of them, for most of the animal ones, you could see that they were modeled on, I guess, like pictures of animals' penises, because I guess you can find those sorts of things. So they list all the, the different ones that they have. So they have a pig, um, a gator, otter, seal, a fossa. I don't know what a fossa is. Then they have ones that are called anthro wolf and anthro tiger. Then there's dog, fox, wolf, and hyena. Then there's a horse one, which, believe me, is startling to say the least. There's a section about marine mammals, bears, felines. Then there's ones called unusual penis shapes, coon, ram, mouse, kangaroo, bunny, and deer. But then the section that got me was the dragon section. And I'm looking at it. (laughs) Like, how do you know what a dragon's cock looks like? Okay, are you looking at the pictures? Um... I'm going to pick We're one. doing this via Skype in case no one has caught yeah. on. Yeah, okay, I'm looking um, at the dragon one now. And th- what's dragony about this? Because it's made out of, like, this weird shimmery gold color, maybe? Well, and shouldn't it at least have the appearance of scales? I guess so. It's kind of got that weird crook in it. It's bent. The last dragon I fucked it did look <laughs> like this. And it cost $70. By the way. By the way. (laughs) Most of them are pretty expensive because they're all handmade, I believe. Um, So it's a good time waster just to go to this site and kind of browse around and um, look at these weird dragon penis dildos, you know. Oh, look, the Raptor one is on sale. It's only $50 reduced from $60. Yeah, I know. Well, and they do requests. Yeah, which is why I think they're the ones that are doing the Vulcan dildo. So we're mm. going to have to keep checking or, or have somebody check and make sure, because if they do a Vulcan dildo, we need to have a picture of it and see if it's got little tentacles on it. Yeah. Or double ridges, you know. What are, what are they doing? Yeah, double ridges at least. My goodness, that was a lot of sex toy talk. <laughs> it sure was. Oh. Um, shall we have a cigarette now? I think so. All right. Let's have a cigarette and we'll play some music. Hailing frequencies open, sir. A comer. 
Y ahora, mira el culito con las chicas sexy, LT y la gatita de la jungla. Spanish, Myers-Sartot. French, Ricardo-Fesson-Bout. German, Betlacken-Sicienen-Kauben. Italian, Gardilus-Lastremida. Portuguese, Olsiu-Bout. English, Look at his butt. Regarde le apostajo. Tista clear, takashilo. Oh my, look at his butt. Oh, can I say that on the radio? Can I say butt? Let's do it again. Oh my, look at his bottom. That's a nice one, don't you know? End of story. <laughs> Welcome to the wonderful world. Of butt casting. Yes, Mom. <laughs> Sorry, we've suddenly become so international right now. I just can't get over it. That was hilarious. That was really funny. Thank you to everybody who sent those in. And let's let's give some credits here. That first one that had the music. Oh, the music. <laughs> that was so wonderful. That came from David Arroyo. Right. He has um his own podcast called Comic Makers, and he sent us a bunch of stuff and alerted us to other things. So thank you very much for sending that. <laughs> um, the French that that you heard uh, came from Trex Kitten. She she gave us the translation. Right. And then the the one read by computer that was so wonderful that was recorded by Len doing um, one two three five different languages and uh-huh. that cracked me up because you know what it sounded like it sounded like Norman in the Muds Women episode oh it did it absolutely did and then uh, the Esperanto mm-hmm. Lena figured out actually it took three of us to figure out what the real Esperanto <laughs> one was <laughs> we spent some time talking about it and then different dictionaries were consulted and I, I consulted with another linguist friend of mine until we got the whole thing kind of hammered out and then um, Hebrew yeah. came from Kin our listener in Israel there may be many but that's the one we know about and then that last Minnesotan came from of course Kirk's mother Marjorie yeah she Felt she wanted to contribute. So keep those coming. We would love to get more and more languages. Oh, those are great. And I will definitely be putting them up at the blog at some point, And I will put little flags next to them so people can click and, and hear different things. But, oh, man, that was funny. That was good. I love audience participation. I do, too. Oh. So. Moving right along. Should we go down our list? Let's go down the list, yeah. Okay. The news from around his butt. <laughs> this. Came in just today. It is hot off the press. the press. This is Bill again, just out there working for charity. And this is, um, it's on Jam Showbiz Television, which is somewhere, something Canadian. But here it says, for almost 60 years, William Shatner has boldly gone in so many directions, it's <laughs> mind boggling. He's an actor, writer, producer, singer, and international celebrity. He is. Everywhere he goes, there are people in all languages shouting, Look, Look at, at his butt! Uh, blah, 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 blah. So, here's, here's what he's doing now. Uh, let's see. 
The man who played Captain James T. Kirk for three decades is embarking on a serious mission. On Thursday, so coming up pretty soon, Shatner will take part in Once Upon a Chair. The Canadian Intensive Care Foundation of Calgary's fundraiser at the Jubilee Auditorium. Shatner admits he is besieged by charities and has to choose carefully as his time is at a premium. I think we should do everything we can to aid the doctors and nurses who work in intensive care units. I understand the money being raised at the Calgary auction will go toward educating future doctors and nurses. These professionals perform such an incredible, life-saving service. For this fundraiser, the CICF commissioned 10 chairs to become canvases for local artists. They were to alter them as much as possible to encourage fierce bidding at the auction. (laughs) Five of the chairs will be up for bids. Four others are being given to patients who survived against tremendous odds due to the care they received in a Calgary intensive care unit. The tenth chair will be presented to the family of a patient who succumbed to, an, to the illness despite the efforts of the intensive care personnel. I'll be on stage with one of the chairs reading a fairy tale the CICF has sent me, says Shatner, adding he's learned my chair can talk back, but I think I can handle it if it becomes a heckler. He is quick to point out his roots in live theater, having started as a young actor with the Stratford Shakespeare Festival. Mm -hmm. I love the immediate connection of an audience, whether it's a packed theater or just an actor I'm playing opposite, says Shatner, as he left the set of Boston Legal, calling from his limo. The series in which he plays the eccentric law firm partner Denny Crane has garnered him a Golden Globe and an Emmy. I did two scenes for Boston Legal today and feel invigorated because it's what I love doing most. Shatner insists his preparation for his continuing role in Boston Legal, films such as Miss Congeniality or a charity appearance, is essentially the same. It's all about solving problems, and the bigger the problem, the more I relish the challenge. He's adamant his Star Trek persona was never as big a career problem as his harshest critics once claimed. Kirk was an important part of my career. It wasn't a problem, it was a gift. But I've done much more than one role. Much more. He also points out he often beats his critics to the punch. I've always been able to laugh at myself. That's not just important, but essential in this profession. You can't take yourself too seriously. He says he feels blessed to have had such a long, fulfilling career. It's been joyful. I feel joyful. We pass through one life. If you don't have fun, and if you don't make it joyful for yourself, you're the big loser. (laughs) Tickets for the CICF fundraiser and gala are available through Ticketmaster. So Bill's going to read a fairy tale to a chair that can talk talk back. Can we get that chair to say, look at his butt? Oh, wouldn't that be the coolest thing That would ever? be the best. Canadian listeners, that's your, your homework. And could it be more appropriate that a chair would be saying, look at his butt? <laughs> oh, please <laughs> sit on me. <laughs> sit on me. Oh, look at his butt. <laughs> that would be great. That would be really cool. A chair that talks. I don't really get that, but if Bill says it, it must be true. So these are, they commissioned chairs, and then they gave them to artists to... Make them like non chairs or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I don't understand. I, he seems to like that sort of thing, you know, with the Christmas tree ornament and the. He did something else where he had to make something. Right, right. Now, also coming up, this is this is great. All you uh, friends of ours who are in Boston, Boston, Boston. Let me get that page up here. This was uh, sent to us by Chris. Right, Chris. I think his last name is pronounced pronounced Vivieros. Yes. And let's get down to it. Where did it go? It's right there. 
Oh, okay. Boston legal hotshot Denny Crane, <laughs> a.k.a. William, William Shatner, Shatner, will guest conduct at the TD Bank North Pops by the Sea concert on August 6th. you got plenty of time here. <laughs> on Hyannis Town Green. So Bill is going to conduct an orchestra. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but um, Danny Kay used to occasionally conduct. Uh-huh. And it was a dream of his to really be a conductor mm-hmm. and he was very musical he read music mm-hmm. and he he was he was not like a novice in the area but i believe even he said <laughs> the advantage of working with the greatest orchestras is they could play it regardless of what yeah, he did and yeah, i'm going i'm really hoping this is the situation <laughs> for this one although my god i would love to see this i bet they're going to be looking at their music <laughs> and not at bill or maybe down in that shell where they have the prompter, uh-huh. they've got a real a real conductor, conductor yeah. you know, doing it small behind Bill. Or yeah, something. like American Sign Language down there. Yeah, the real conductor. Yeah. That would be funny. So Boston residents, you want to get out there? He will do anything. He will do, and I, I'm assuming that's for charity. Uh, it's got to be <laughs> conducting for charity. Conducting for charity. It's a new Olympic sport. Okay, on the Trek BBS, one yeah. of our favorite places to visit, there is a pole. Right now, you can find links on the Trek BBS to Brokeback Mountain parodies involving everything from Star Wars to Back to the Future to George Bush and Dick Cheney. Should the Star Trek parody involve, and I'm going to read you the choices, and then we'll tell you currently who's leading. Tucker and Reed, who get stranded together more often than anyone. Kirk and Spock, the classic. Mm -hmm. Garrick Bashir, because, well, duh. (laughs) (laughs) Picard Q because Q said he should have appeared to Picard as a woman Quark Odo because they actually did the bonding on the mountain thing in the ascent Paris and Kim after all that bonding in the shoot and my god what a title Picard and Riker the next generation so who do you think is ahead is it the number one choice so far Oh, gosh, I couldn't even guess. I mean, if I had to pick, it would probably be Picard and Q. You know, that's who I voted for. Uh-huh. But that is... Uh, because like, they're so in love. It, that's like in fourth place. First place is Tucker and Reed. Oh. Followed by Kirk and Spock. Oh, that's very So basically, I read them in the order. And and can I just glance over at this? Sure. Oh. The Garrick Bashir one is really funny. <laughs> because, well, duh. Well, you know, I was explaining that to Gregory the other day. Uh-huh. And, um, he didn't seem to know. Even though he's a big Deep Space Nine fan, he had never really twigged to the Garrick Bashir thing. Really? He was like, Greg, open your eyes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sometimes people have to have this pointed out. I and and here we are. We're being helpful. We're pointing that out. Yeah. Tell them how to use sex toys. It's true. I wanted to do this because this was so funny and your comment on it was even funnier. <laughs> and I wanted to get some Star Trek into this show. So this is sort of, it's Star Trek related. We just did Brokeback Space oh, Starship. Know, know. Okay. <laughs> and you found this, as you always are, finding well, interesting things. Well, somebody let me know. I okay. never really find anything. Um, this is called Star Trek Bumper Stickers. So as you know, through the, the devices of places like Cafe Press, you can print anything on anything, right? You can make any t-shirt or any bumper stickers. And this site, which of course we'll put up the link for, you can buy all these different Star Trek bumper stickers. 
And some of them are kind of cute and funny, and some of them are just plain weird. And lame. And lame. <laughs> um, there are two different ones that's on WWKD, of course, What Would Kirk Do? And then there's a correspondent Spock one. I have the WWKD t-shirt, and what I'm really happy about is my WWKD t-shirt has it in the Trek font. And when you go online to buy that now, you can't get it. Oh, that's interesting. Now, they've used the Trek font for a couple of these other things. Mm -hmm. So they have one that says, not just a hobby, it's an obsession. See, I would never put that on anything that I own. You wouldn't? No, I I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't put bumper stickers on really anything that I own, but I can certainly identify with that. Oh, I can identify with it, but I wouldn't put it on any of my personal belongings and sort of say to the world, I'm obsessed (laughs) with Star Trek. I see. Yeah, um... Let's see. Here's one that says boldly going nowhere. That's not even very funny. Um, here's one with a picture of a red shirt, and it says, I'm not expendable, I'm not stupid, and I'm not going. <laughs> That's kind of cute. That's funny. I like that. Um, then there's one that says, assimilation is not a family value. Not kind of sure what the message there is. <laughs> this one was good. I like that. Help wanted, telepath, and then underneath it says, you know where to apply. <laughs> um, I like that because many years ago, a friend and I noticed an ad in the newspaper for a psychic fair, and we wondered why they had to advertise. <laughs> really? Um, let's see. Here's a good one. Um, this says, my kid swindled your honor student at the Ferengi School of Business, <laughs> where students learn to profit from more than just mistakes. <laughs> I like that <laughs> That's one. That's really good. That's a good one. Let's see. Oh, I was Klingon before Klingon was cool. Is Klingon cool? I don't know. I think Worf is cool, but the rest of, I don't know. Those yeah. fake Klingons at the conventions no, aren't cool. No, um, There's a bunch of Klingon ones, and some of them I can't read because they're actually in Klingon, so I'm just going to um, skip them. Um, let's see. Oh, beam me up, Scotty. There's no intelligent life down here. That's been around forever. My kid and your taxes go to Starfleet Academy. <laughs> I like that. That's really good. I like this one. This is actually good. Warning, this vehicle warps space and time in its vicinity. Yeah. Now, here's the one that was so funny. This is what it's supposed to say. <laughs> Dear Starfleet, hate you, hate the Federation, taking Voyager, Janeway. But it's misspelled. <laughs> Instead of saying Starfleet, it says Startfleet. Yeah. Startfleet. <laughs> With its chief engineer, Scotchy. <laughs> and then there's one that says, I grok Spock, and they misspelled the word grok. You know, you could go to any library in any part of the country and look that book up, Stranger in a Strange Land, and find the word grok. But you know what? I bet most of the people who use the word grok they don't know where it comes do from, not right? know where that came from. Oh, I grok Spock. Let's see. Um, my other vehicle is the USS Enterprise D, uh, Red Shirt Society, Vulcan Embassy Staff Vehicle. You know, I think I've actually seen that on a car. Yeah, there's one I really like. I think it's down towards the bottom. Okay, we're just scrolling down. There's an awful lot that we're not reading. Yeah. Um, there's some things about killing people, which aren't really very funny. There's campaign There's campaign slogan, slogans, Kirk Spock in 2004. That shows you how old these this are. This is the one <laughs> I like, the very last one. It's a, It's got a picture of a target on it, and it says, <laughs> Starfleet Security, the few, the proud, the expendable. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. So it's nice to know those sorts of things are out there. I like that, I'm, and I'm glad we got the link to it. So yes. we'll definitely let everybody see them. Um, but I don't think either of us are going to be putting bumper stickers on our cars. So. No, no, I won't put bumper stickers on my car. No. Oh, that was good. Have we more? Um, we have one more, one more thing, thing I really want to do, okay. and it is Trek-related. We have received some entries. 
for the Comatose Yay! Captain game. Yay! Uh, from Robert Serrano. For Cinco de Mayo, put a sombrero on Kirk and do tequila shots out of his navel. Lena just made the mistake of taking a drink, and so she's probably going to snort burners out her nose because she's laughing at that. That is so funny. I have a great mental image of him laying in sickbay with a sombrero on his head. <laughs> and someone doing tequila and shots. And mariachi music in the background. <laughs> That's great. We love that one. Um, Robert also sent us a couple more. He sent us one for Father's Day. <laughs> this is fun. Assemble his illegitimate children to do a Von Trapp family-style puppet show for Kirk. Spock can do a private puppet show later after everyone else leaves. <laughs> I like that it was the Von Trapp family, but they weren't singing. They are doing a puppet they show. Know, it was a puppet show, remember, in that horrible, horrible movie. So I love that. All of his illegitimate children. There would be many more. Oh, filled sick bay, pouring out into the corridors, yes. just down the hall, yeah. everything. They, they, this Von Trapp family could outnumber the Mormon <laughs> Tabernacle Choir. And then he came up with one that incorporates a cooter. So I think this is for that cooter festival. Uh-huh. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scotty, Bones, and Spock chip in to hire an Orion slave girl for, oh, St. Patrick's Day. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Coming up. Making sure that she has a Brazilian wax job. <laughs> they ask her to do river dance for the captain. Aaron, go cooter. <laughs> um, Lyra Star also sent a Father's Day one. Carol shows up with a stroller built for triplets. <laughs> yeah, that'd wake him up. Um, oh, and that was it. But then I have one other thing on the same page okay. that I just want to read you. We were speculating about how are they going to, to do their season wrap-up, season cliffhanger mm-hmm. of uh, Boston Legal. And so uh, Calico wrote to us talking about the Trek references in Boston Legal and says, did you see Trekkies, which we did. Mm -hmm. There was a woman who was a diehard Trekkie and she insisted on wearing her Starfleet uniform to jury duty. Maybe they could use that. That would be interesting. I love that that idea. That would be really interesting. It would be great if they didn't really call attention to it. I mean, Mm -hmm. maybe if it was just part of the plot that there would just be a person sitting there in a Starfleet uniform. And, and, um, And Denny does her. Well, of course. I mean, if she's a woman, of course. Of course. What was that saying? Jeez. So, yeah, keep those coming. Oh, we're keep we're coming. happy to keep populating the comatose captain list. Yes, absolutely. But, okay. um, I tell you, that, that puppet show one really I cracks like me up. And the tequila shots. Those yes. were delightful. That was great. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. Um, we'll be back next time with more crunchy Trek goodness, and we will have actual Trek goodness coming in the next one, I Well, think. this had some... It's true. It had crunchy. It, it was true. It was yeah. very crunchy. But, um, man, we, we sure have a lot of things. We so. have a ton of stuff to go through. All right. So till next time, we'll see you. <laughs>